0: You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric all right eric it is great to be back here this week we are talking about team and and we're a team we're a podcast team right we're working together coming up with ideas and uh we haven't had any conflict yet um we've made some group decisions and um we've got some goals with this podcast yeah well the reason we're talking about that is we're going to look at an article that lists five different essential elements to a healthy functional team and uh, that's kind of going to be our theme today as we wrap up our discussion on uh, working together with other missionaries and that's kind of what we're covering directly it's exciting not only to see what the Lord is doing but to collaborate with others in the work of the Lord and to see God work through a team whether it's just a visiting pastor a visiting national coming through or whether it's a permanent team that you're working with, or as we mentioned last week, a temporary team that you're working with, there can be great, tremendous benefits to that. We're going to talk a little bit about that, of kind of how do you make sure that you're cultivating a healthy team, especially as missionaries. We're going to be looking at that today, some biblical principles. We're going to be looking at some, some of human nature. Uh, that's why I love about scriptures, right? Scriptures reveal what we're like, you know, it reveals the human nature and then it gives us some answers and some principles to apply so that we can work together in unity. So we're going to go over that. Well, Let's get into it. This is an article that really lays out five uh, essential elements. There's a gentleman named Patrick Lencioni. Um, I hope I'm getting that right. And uh, he had written article years back where basically he came to the conclusion that teams will be dysfunctional unless they have these five essential elements. Now, the gentleman who wrote this article, he identifies himself as an organizational scientist and a former church planting missionary to France. His name is David Dunettez. I don't know if I'm getting that right or not. Uh, But he basically takes these theories that uh, this gentleman, Patrick, had written out and he puts them to the test, kind of does some scientific experiments, I guess, to find out uh, whether or not these principles do work in real life situations and then how they can be best implemented and developed so that you can cultivate a healthy, thriving team, specifically when it comes to the mission field. Now, these principles are gonna apply uh, to any organizational structure where there's team involved, whether it's your staff at your local church, if you're a pastor in the States, or whether you're working a a job, you're a business owner, a businessman, uh, whatever the case may be, if you're working in this team concept, these will have great benefit and so we're just going to do some discussion and look at how they will apply to us. So first one is trust. Okay, you have to develop and cultivate trust. We're going to look at what that means. Is trust important in relationships Eric?
1: Oh. Yes, I would how say How would you define uh, trust? <laughs> trust. Well, I guess I have I don't have a description in mind necessarily, but just a, an overwhelming confidence Uh, In this case, in the other person, I mean, obviously in a spouse, the same way for fidelity and love and care. And uh, in many ways, as we've talked on the last episode, that uh, having a teammate in many ways is like a marriage. You're choosing someone to come alongside and and you're going to trust them, especially if you're going away or if you're sharing the duties of something very precious to you, which is the work of the Lord. And so. You know, having that trust, this article really defines it well and something probably that as I thought of teammates a lot over the years is not one that I specifically had in my mind. But it is so true that really it's kind of the first thing when you are you are considering entering a team or or receiving someone in a team or making a team um, that you have to be able to trust the person's not only ability, but character, uh, spirit. Um, uh, philosophy. And so this really was one that I, I guess I never had thought about as far as a definition, but how important it is to really trust this person with the thing that's after your family and, and your, you know, your your marriage, really one of the most important things in your life, because you've sacrificed everything to come and see this develop for the Lord's glory. And so you really do have to have trust. And I even thought about this. It's not necessarily specified in the article, but you're really trusting them, you know, often, as you mentioned, having close relationships with missionaries, you want to have some people you trust with your own family, your own kids. If you're a missionary, sometimes it goes off and preaches either far away in your own country or away. I remember leaving before and just having trust in my teammates that, you know, if something ever happened to me or something happened to my family while I was gone. Uh, I, I had confidence they could handle the situation. So this was a, a terrific one to start off with. And I, I wholeheartedly agreed with the assessment uh, of trust in the ministry to have teammates. You better you better know who they are and uh, have faith in them.
0: Definitely, they begin the article by saying, trust occurs when one team member believes that another team member will do something that the first one believes is good and important even when the first one, the first team member, cannot monitor or control the second. And so it basically has to do with, you know, part delegation responsibilities. And it's it's like you mentioned, when you're working as a team, you have to be able to trust the other team member that they are going to fulfill what they say they are going to fulfill. And that is something that doesn't come automatically. Trust, if you're on a team, you need to understand, Trust has to be earned. Trust has to be developed. Trust has to be cultivated. It's something that grows over time. And so there are general assumptions when you first join a team, you're gonna assume that your teammate is going to fulfill certain responsibilities and roles. Um, But I think that the level of expectation with the level of trust, those things are going to grow together over time as the one who is being trusted gains that confidence. And so one thing he writes is that this basically means each team member must know their own skills and their own gifts, okay? Uh, when you're each on a team, you each have responsibilities. And when you delegate responsibilities that each one on a team has to each other, the trust that is needed for each team members, I'm trusting that you're gonna fulfill your part of this team and your responsibility because I'm depending on you getting this part done. When it comes to a team leader, the team leader needs to know how to evaluate different people's gifts on his team, to analyze where those will best fit in, and analyze at what level of maturity and development each of these team members have, and then to learn how to properly delegate. So if you're the leader of a team, and a young family just comes in to join your team, and let's say they're gifted specifically in uh, in media. You know, he can he can do filming and media and this and that. Well, sometimes there's two ways that leaders will go when it comes to delegation. When somebody comes in and if the leader's overwhelmed with certain responsibilities, especially if it's a task that he's not good at, and somebody younger comes in who's able to do it and knowledgeable about it, you're either gonna throw the whole thing on them right away and say, hey, you could do this, take it and run with it. Um, and in certain contexts, that's okay. But on the mission field, when a missionary first gets there, they're dealing with a whole lot of issues as they're transitioning and learning the culture and this and that, that a team uh, leader needs to keep in mind rather if he's the type who wants to just throw everything on right away, learn to delegate in stages as you analyze the growth and the capability of the new team member. And um, so he wrote this in the article, Trust develops when there is demonstrated competence in a domain and it grows when a missionary demonstrates concern for the welfare of other missionaries, when there is a clear commitment to group decisions, when there is increased communication and when the missionary demonstrates a willingness to be influenced by other missionaries but each of those things are so important when you were working with a team uh, how much of those did you see as being essential were you more obviously they all are but when you worked on a team early on how, how did the collaboration work at first was there a lot of hey what's your idea and, and what do you think about this and uh, how can How much were you soaking in from other missionaries? And then were you ever in a position where you kind of were in the leadership and were you continuing to cultivate that?
1: Yeah, I think we're also going to talk about that more specifically down the road in in the group discussion. But in this specific case, as far as trust goes, I was always, because we started the work and didn't have our first teammates for the first three years, and there were always gaps. It seems like, as we're going to talk about maybe in a future episode, the idea of working Uh, and being by yourself, you get more and more accustomed to it. So, um, But as far as trust, it's so true that in the beginning when you're receiving someone, first of all, it's a step of faith, by the way, Mm -hmm. the trust after you've taken assessment of a a future teammate, in our case, receive them. You're really stepping out among faith to trust them in 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 any facet of the ministry. But it is true, the more you see people's abilities, especially ones that have um, abilities and areas that are your weaknesses, boy, it is so important that you can humble yourself and say, I, I think you do this better. Uh, but then at the same time, just to trust them to, to make mistakes. There's nothing wrong. We, we make mistakes every single week. And so to hold someone to a standard where they can't ever make a mistake. And we're talking about simple mistakes. We're talking about mistakes like you maybe forgetting someone on a bus route or, or, uh, you know, not doing very good with, like you said, having the media prepared <laughs> or or not knowing a song real well. We're not talking about moral mistakes here. We're not talking about things that would, you know, require you to take that leadership role or that that responsibility. But it does require, just like what comes with nationals, it requires the missionary to say, you know, maybe I can do this better. Maybe these people are actually ready to do it better than me. And I need to trust them um, because this this idea of, of one person taking all the the uh the carga all the all the burdens on them <laughs> is going to be very ineffective ministry and really if you can't trust from the very beginning or learn how to have these baby steps to help trust you're not going to develop a, a, a team a, a team where there seems like there's give and take and so yeah in our case we had to do that I'm sure there are times where I could have done it a lot better uh but i think the older i got and the more i saw people who had far, better abilities in certain areas of life, especially in the ministry, than me. It was a joy to hand that over and uh, a real pride to see, wow, this is really rolling along really well. And I'm glad they're here to do that.
0: Yeah. There's that constant theme of humility, you know, humility and being able to analyze yourself in your limitations, in your own ability. And I think, um, you know, what you mentioned, having started the church on your own you probably came into that challenge of not only with if another american missionary came to work with you but even with nationals is knowing when to let go certain things to delegate certain things that you're overseeing that's a hard thing to do one thing i wrote down as i was reading this article about specifically whether you're on a a team member or a team leader is as you're being honest about your own abilities so that you can not only let your team know, all right, this is what I'm able to do, and I'm willing to you know, plug in wherever you think I would best fit, uh, but also being able to analyze where your weaknesses are so that you can find somebody else's strength that can plug in, plug in and offset your weakness. That's what makes teams so effective. And I think what will help cultivate a healthy atmosphere in a team is You develop this spirit of trust that cultivates unity when you die to self. All right. Absolutely essential. That's where we begin. And any of these principles as a Christian, if we're going to work together in unity for the glory of God, and implement every one of these principles, beginning with trust, all the way to conflict resolution, down to goals, setting goals, all of that. It has to begin with what Jesus taught, which is dying to self. We are dead to self, and I like what, I think it was Lee Robertson who would always teach this back in the day. He said, you die to criticism, and you die to compliment. If you're a team leader, if you're a team member, if you can, you just take care of that right away. Dying to criticism means that you are not going to allow bitterness or some sort of a misunderstanding create relationship issues on a team. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. Those things can be avoided if we die to what we we view as bad criticism. When another team member may just trying to give constructive criticism, maybe they don't have tact, you know, the way we would like them to have tact when you take it personally uh, the issues can arise out of that and so if you're dead to criticism and then you die to compliment and i think whether you're a missionary or a pastor or whatever it is that you do if you're good at something if there's something that you are you know by a worldly standard you're successful at people will begin to compliment and credit you know say hey what a great job you're doing you're so wonderful and this and that and unless you die to compliment, then you're going to allow pride and ego to kind of, to get in there the way Nebuchadnezzar did. He walks out there and he looks at his big city, he looks around at all his power. He says, look what I did. Look what I created. And the Christian, whether you're in a leadership position or on a team and, and you're working as kind of the second role or as a partnership, you have to recognize that we are gifted by God's grace and every gift that God has given us is only empowered by the Spirit for the ministry. In other words, there are a lot of secular people that are not saved, that are gifted, and they use those gifts for whatever area. You know, there's great musicians and there's there's great artists and all of that that don't use it for the glory of God. But when it comes to ministry, you take those same gifts and unless it's empowered by the Spirit, it will be ineffective in ministry. You'll create a fleshly result. And the scriptures say, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And so we must, as a team, if it's going to be a healthy team where there is a spirit of trust cultivated, every team member must be dead to self, not allowing compliment or criticism to get in there and and kind of destroy the team. Well, Let me ask you a question. As, as a pastor of a church in a foreign country, do uh, you get a lot of people who attend your church that seem to always compliment you or are Dominicans, if they see something that... They think should be corrected, will they come and criticize you do you Do you deal with compliment or criticism sometimes the way that maybe a pastor does in the states where he gets kind of both all the time?
1: well generally um Our people are very complimentary there. That's a, they have these gregarious spirits. Now Dominicans also have no problem telling complete strangers as well, uh, what, what their opinion is. And so uh, I'm thankful that, I don't know if it's been one of those things that maybe by example, we from the pulpit and teaching don't do a lot of criticizing. So people understand if you're going to criticize something, you should probably do it in private. Um, but no, from time to time, we, we certainly get people's ears full and they say, you know, whether it be about specifically how we're handling a situation or the church, uh, people are very, uh, confident, uh, to be able to express their critiques. Um, yeah, at the same time, I I would say generally they're very complimentary, but I think one of the keys is we've always tried as far as the congregation is concerned is try not to be one where it's you know, if I got a problem with person X that I'm not telling person Y about it, you know? And so I, I always do try to, you know, tell, bring it to me, bring it to me. And, um, but I'm thankful that I, I'm not someone who particularly loves critique any more than anybody. Um, in fact, it's funny, we're talking about this. I listen to our podcast often six, seven days later, just to try to critique it. And right. sometimes I'm like, Oh my goodness, what did I what was I talking about? And so, you know, this kind of, uh, self-examination is very good. agree with the idea of not believing lots of your compliments. I will say a lot of times we are lauded. And if you've been a pastor or missionary for a number of years, and sometimes people will laud you who really don't even know you, and you realize they're being kind or that's their personality. uh, But the ones that count the most, the ones who are the closest to you and special to you, and and who have maybe in the past critiqued you, and so if they come to you with a, a compliment, you are maybe even more. More thankful that this person who once had a problem is now uh, on the same page with you, but it is something that you have to uh, have that balance and not take them so seriously uh, either way. That's a that's a good point.
0: Yeah, you look at Jesus coming into Jerusalem and they're throwing down their coats and their jackets and praising him and saying, "Giving oh, Son of David, Messiah," complimenting him. A few days later, the tables turn and it's uh, everything's changed. And so, yeah, you. You really do on a team, you have to, and we're going to get to this in a minute about relationship conflict is once emotions. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, real quick. I, I wasn't thinking so much in the team concept too, Josh, is that it's really important if you're the head missionary in this sense, if you're the lead missionary to always, always try to lift the other teammate up in front of the people, mm. always try to laud what they're doing because just naturally, if you're the lead, Others are going to be in the background. And you, if you want people to feel part of the team, you need to bring them up with you on a big day. Thanks for this pastor helping out and his wife. Thank, look at what a great job he's doing in XY ministry. And so that is very important, I think, as far as trust is saying, hey, we see each other as equals here.
0: Yeah, as a team leader, you definitely, you develop trust because you have to develop trust just as much as somebody in your team, you know, who's partnered with you must develop and cultivate their trust in whatever responsibilities you've given them. But part of the way you cultivate trust is not, like you said, lifting them up and re- bringing recognition, even though we know that's not our primary motivation for what we do, is to be recognized by somebody higher up. But it's it's part of our human nature. It's part of the way God designed us and to be recognized. And the Bible says that part of why uh the world became so corrupted early on was because they were not thankful right and so showing thankfulness to god sometimes is expressed in us uh, showing gratitude toward those who are serving god and using their gifts and surrendering their gifts to the lord and so yeah i agree now would you say that somebody coming to you whether it was a teammate or somebody in the church but let's we'll keep it in the context of a team uh, is Is somebody coming to you and questioning a decision you made? Is that, would you say that's a a challenge to your authority? Or is that something that could be problematic? Or should it just be, hey, I made the decision, that's final, let's move on. Because one thing he writes, I'll let you think about that a minute. He says, cultivating trust will create a healthy atmosphere where team members can feel safe to share weaknesses and vulnerabilities without feeling like they will be shamed or degraded. And so we're gonna to get to, again, in task conflict, The next, this is the next point, element, it's gonna to touch on this, so we'll transition there, where they talk about, you've got to be able to question and bring your ideas to the table, but as a team leader, right, there's that balance you have to strike. So if somebody is, Asking you a question on a direction you're going or a decision you're making, what should the leader's response to that be?
1: Yeah, that was you know it's funny that I hadn't thought about this in many years. Uh, it was very early on in our ministry with some of our first team our first teammates, and there was a situation in the church where we had found someone had fallen into sin, two people in the church actually, and one that had you know a relatively a, a new position of authority. And I'd never dealt with um, that kind of conflict before. We, we it was new to us. I it took a lot of uh, time to ask other missionaries and pastors for advice how to handle it. And I really included this missionary who was very very temporary with us. wasn't going to stay long. Um, and I really wanted their advice and and help and what we should do. And I thought we came to a consensus what we were going to do. And and they seemed. I mean, they said this is this is right. This is what the Bible says. And it was very difficult that the day we actually dealt with this in the church, we were a small church. This missionary didn't show up, basically gave up some reason they weren't going to be there. And then they stuck with us. And then the next year, basically kind of cut our feet out and with this other family and said, oh, they handled that wrong. And that really damaged our relationship for a while. And it really hurt to the core because it wasn't I wasn't going straight ahead with what I thought was right. I really tried to take a consensus with biblical minds, including our own teammates who were very close to this family. And it really was uh, something that, that hurt. And so in that sense, um, it did feel like an attack in many ways. And, and i praise the Lord. Maybe later on, we'll talk about how we heal some of these wounds. Uh, But that was one that um, sometimes when you're a leader, people say they're on board with you and then, then they change their minds and you really, you really sometimes can feel quite lonely at the top, but, you know, the Lord helps you through. And this doesn't have to be just with teammates. It happened to be in the case of teammates. It can happen just regular church members. But you know, that's where you need to have good communication. And even when you do, sometimes sometimes it doesn't work out the way you hope.
0: Yeah. And I think that on your this is actually in the next um the next point they make in the article. And it's kind of under this heading of the blind side of trust. And he actually mentions that that when when trust is too high, um, then it can, there's some effects that that can cause. Let me read it, because it from what you just said, it sounded like you had a high level of trust on the input and the involvement of this other teammate, and then when push came to shove, they, they didn't show up, right? And so here's what he writes about that. He says, trust is only beneficial when it is accompanied with motivation to accomplish the team's goals. For example, a missionary missionary team may have a specific goal of starting new churches or a broader goal of reaching a people group for Christ. However, if all or perhaps just some of the team members are perfectly content to run programs in existing churches, high levels of trust among team members will not help the team accomplish its purpose. Right in such situations, a high level of trust might actually hinder team effectiveness since team members may mistakenly believe that good relationships among team members indicate that the team is accomplishing its purpose. Right, and so the point he's making is you may have a high level of trust and you may get along with this other missionary, and everything's all peachy and everything's great, but that high level of trust is not allowing you, it's not causing you to ask the pertinent questions that need to be asked that sometimes you can't foresee until you've experienced it, right? So with you, it was something that you had this high level of trust, it sounds like, but then when it came to pass, they actually weren't on the same page. And, and you know, that was most likely something they were failing to communicate. Obviously, they didn't communicate to you their displeasure with the way it was being handled. Um, but all that being said, and we'll get to a minute, how do you handle task conflict? But that being said is, you know, that was kind of a similar situation where we're at, where the missionary we were working with, um, he was content I think to maintain the work that was, he was already involved in when we arrived. And then we just, we had a vision and a heart to expand and to reach out into other parts of town and to to implement some methods in different areas. And and I think for us, we communicated that and we sat down and discussed it as much as we could. And I think where some of the conflict may have rose, if there was any, was that, the expectation was that, well, that's great that you have a vision and everything, but we're just not gonna do it. (laughs) So it was, we had to get to a point where we said, all right, well, I think the Lord is leading us this direction and so we could still be friends and we could still partner in areas that we have agreement and method on because we have the same doctrine, same theology and all of that. And because we made that separation, I was very deliberate because we were still in the same city. I was very deliberate and intentional in making sure that I didn't take any members with me. uh, When we made that separation, I was trying to work together so that uh, the church would understand, hey, we're not, you know, this isn't a separate thing we're doing. We're a team here branching out and just extending the work. Uh, But because there was basically, we were asked just not to attend the church anymore if we were gonna go and do this thing. And we said, all right, well, that's, that's fine. But I was also very intentional to make sure that I I didn't wanna create more conflict by by causing more problems where I didn't need to be caused. We're here to pioneer work. I don't need church members that um, we may have been attached to, but it, it wasn't our church that we came into and started or anything. And so, yeah, we moved on to the next. Area. And so that, in that case, yeah, I see what he's saying. You know, you can have a high level of trust, uh, but if you're not asking the right questions and you're not on the same page when it comes to your methods and your purposes, then, you know, you can have all that trust, but it's just at the end of the day, are you getting anything done? That's really important. And that brings us up to the second one, which is task conflict. Do you remember when and when was maybe the first time on the mission field when you? Had a conflict with another missionary. You don't have to give any details, but it was just like, wait a second, we're not seeing eye to eye here. What's going on?
1: Yeah, I think it was early on, maybe uh, in our first go at it, where you know, this is later on in the episode. At the end. I kind of want to go through a little checklist that I made that I've learned over the years that I'm I'm trying to keep in mind is about being a good missionary. And I think maybe it was a communication breakdown, or obviously it seems like so now. Or just obstinence by the other person, but where I felt like we had a real clear understanding of of you know what their role is going to be in the ministry on Sunday morning during the week. And you know, you come and you come Sunday and they're like they're out of town. And you're <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and not only out of town, but like with a family from the church and one where they're we're trying to lead the husband to the Lord, and it's just like you're on. Facebook and seeing photos and you're like, well, this ain't good. This is not working the way I was hoping, you know, uh, I got, I got to find out what, 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 where the disconnect is here. And, um, you know, I, I, as the leader always feel like the leader takes on the lion's share, of the responsibility, he often gets the lion's share of the credit. And so I've always felt like the two things when you're a leader, especially in a team, you need to just get settled in your mind is one if there's a problem you're responsible to get it fixed one way or the other you know well however that's going to be it doesn't mean you necessarily cause the problem but you are responsible to try to help fix that problem and if it's a lack of communication you got to work harder at it. and the second is you you can't be bitter and that's something we're going to talk about later on that Uh, I, I praise the Lord that I think maybe through other people's examples, um, some cases, poor examples, and I saw how their lives were damaged by bitterness. And I'm not even talking about missionaries here. I'm just talking about life Mm -hmm. in general, that I have strived in my life to not hold on to things. I'm sure there are things I need, I need to work on or have in the past, but I really, when people do me wrong, I try to follow the example of people who have been before me to, uh, try to forgive those people right away, try to resolve those things And uh, I'm thankful for that because there were times where it was really hard to to let some things go. A lot of times we feel like in our conflicts, it's mano y mano. It's a problem that he has with me or my wife has with his wife or X, Y, Z. And so many times, missionary, it has nothing to do with you. There's so much going on underneath the surface. And that's what I've learned with age is that when there are conflicts right away, I try to take a step back and say, you know, what's going on with this person's life right now? There may be a whole lot that I'm not aware of. And I'm just getting the manifestation of this right now. And by the way, if that's the case, you should never take on bitterness for that because you're you're not the cause or the root of the problem. Uh, But you're Mm -hmm. just you're just happen to be in the front of it. So that's I do remember some of those conflicts and we can talk about how you how you have to handle them. But they're they're not fun.
0: Well man, you're so right. I never thought we'd be talking about this on our podcast, but what you just said made me think of the whole a uh, few weeks back when that actor Will Smith slapped the comedian <laughs> at the Oscars there and it made big news and everything, but it's one of those things where what you said, like there was a lot going on under the surface that a lot of people didn't realize between him and his wife and like things came out later I was, I was looking at Twitter feed and just reading about it. And, you know, he was taking out and that's what so often will somebody who is uh, under a lot of stress especially if they're an authority figure that is being undermined by people close to him. So if you're a husband and you're an authority figure in your mission team, you're a pastor, but you're being undermined by your wife, you're being disrespected by your kids or whatever is taking place. You've got something boiling under the surface. A lot of times, men especially will take out that frustration on those who are either subordinate to them or those who are weaker than them and more vulnerable than them and unfortunately that's how a lot of abuse victims are 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 attacked and abused is because somebody who's trying to deal with their own stress and their own frustration and their own bitterness takes it out on somebody else and so in a missionary team like you said so much you have to be able to step back and say what's going on under the surface there's been people i've worked with where it it was evident that there were relationship issues with his immediate family and it was carrying over in the team con when we would come up with task conflict or and we're going to talk about what define what task conflict is but when. It would arise in our team meetings or working together with that frustration would be taken out either on myself or on my wife because we were in the subordinate position we were, we were the new missionaries, but. Julie and I would take a step back, you know, in whatever the situation or whoever it was, whether it was with the national or whatever it was, and say, Hey, there's probably something else under the surface here that we don't see going on. And we need to firstly pray. And then let's figure out how can we bear their burden? How can we figure out to resolve this? Which brings us to this. So when you're working alone, so many of your decisions you make, you might try to run it by somebody else who you know, as a veteran missionary or somebody who works nearby. But at the end of the day, you only have yourself and the Lord to answer to for different methods you want to implement and decisions and goals that you want to attain. An an entirely new dynamic comes into place when you're either working in a team or you're leading a team. And one of the things you don't get when you're working by yourself is this element called task conflict. And he, he defines it this way. He said, task conflict is necessary for good, good, a good team. And he said it can be contrasted with relationship conflict. Okay. we'll he'll define what that is. So he says task conflict occurs when two different ideas are presented as solutions to a problem. All right. That can be a good thing. And that's actually something I miss out on by not having a team right now, Um, A lot of things that we want to implement as a church, of course, I run it by Pastor Malik. He's the lead pastor. And boy, I'll tell you, this is where before we make a major decision, by having more than one perspective of how we're going to solve a problem, we can actually come up with a better solution when you've got two different perspectives. And so as a team leader, you need to understand when you present a solution and then another solution is presented. It isn't a challenge to your authority or your decision making, but it's an opportunity for you to say, "Man, I didn't see it that way. How can we synchronize those two ideas to create this super idea, this much better idea, that we can implement and be that much more effective, uh, so that we can do the work there?" How, uh, would you say how do you do? How do you deal with task conflict? Because you're making decisions all the time in the way you do everything. And I mean everything from when you're going to take a furlough uh, to who's going to preach for you and what ministries are you going to do and this and that. So every decision you make, do you run it by somebody to try to get another perspective or how does that work for you right now seeing how you are as a missionary working alone, even though you have nationals with you, but you're working alone. What's that look like for you?
1: So in many cases that, you know, that is something where, especially when you are the lone wolf, uh, as is the case our right now with us, that we do make a lot of those decisions. Um, there, are, For instance, right now in our case, there, there are some decisions being made for um, different kind of service adjustments in our absence for about seven weeks that I have pulled aside the leading men in church and I've, you know, said, you know, I'm thinking about this, um, but I'm very interested in what you think about it. Now, I, I appreciated what he was talking about in the respect of this article about the idea of maybe you're in a teen concept. And if you're kind of the, the head guy, instead of telling people right away what you feel is the right direction to go have people kind of come up with an idea with pros and cons. I really love that. And so Josh is going to leave a link in this uh, the show notes. I'm sure where you can go read this article. I encourage anybody who's involved or wants to be involved with team missions to read this article. It's a great resource. In our current case, uh, very seldom uh, do are there big decisions that have to be made. And, and it is true that now in life, I probably tend to go to mentors in the faith and other missionaries first. But we do have the three pastors in town that will sit around and we talk about things. Uh, I do ask them questions. I feel like they have we have a good enough relationship where you know they have their independent church. They're independent. And so they can come to me without me saying, well, that's a dumb idea because. There's no skin in the game. I do remember, though, with missionaries for a specific time, uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, Tim, who was our second missionary. And I remember I was getting ready to go on furlough. And as the lead missionary, it was the first time he was going to take over. I kind of had set an order of service where I felt like, you know, you're going to preach these weeks. I'm going to have some some. Um, uh, other missionaries come in and kind of encourage the people. And he really took a hard stand uh, on some things that I wanted to do that. He said, he, you know, he just, if you're going to leave me in charge, I'd rather not do these things. I'd rather do this X, mm-hmm. Y, Z. And it wasn't a conflict. He really did it respectfully. And, you know, it took me a, a little bit of time, uh, but I sat there and the Lord really worked in my heart. He said, you know, this guy has, he has uh, sent his, he's, you know, given up everything his family's come here to live. And he really, really is behind you. You're trusting him. Let him let you know, trust him. And and I said, you know what? You're right. You know, these are these are ideas. These are suggestions. But I do trust you. You've been here for X amount of time. And uh, there was a really good uh, moment for us as teammates to say, you know, hey, he really feels strongly about this. I I trust him. Let's go that direction, you know, and Unfortunately, unfortunately for us, it was during that time when his little daughter got a brain tumor, had to go home. But I really remember that encounter. We talked about it over the years and how he really stood up and said, no, I I appreciate like if you were here, I'd be behind you. But since you're leaving me in charge and I I thought, wow, that was a really good. uh, He felt confident to come to me and say that we we worked it out. There certainly wasn't any conflict in the sense of like uh, bitterness. But uh, yeah, so sometimes you have to be, especially if you're the second missionary, willing to stand up for your conviction and talk to the missionary if you're the lead missionary, be willing to listen to those who you've entrusted. And, um, you know, I'm thinking specifically this family, they saw us and we did groups like you guys do groups. And well, I'm so thankful there time after time, little tiny things, sometimes that Tim and Sharon would come up with ideas like, you know, not to criticize you guys, but you're having this big group. Why don't you all think about, you know, catering with this company, or why don't you consider using this resource? And man, it was just like, well, duh! That's a great idea. You know, thanks for bringing it up. You know, I, I'm I'm this old guy. I don't know. We, we need we need help. So that is, task conflict is not necessarily always a bad thing. It's just how you handle. You're
0: absolutely it. right, and that's what he brings up in the article: is that task conflict is healthy for a functioning team. That if you're going to be that much better, the reason why you work with other people is not just to lead them so they serve you and do and and fulfill your vision but you work with other people so that their gifts and their skills and their abilities and their insight that God has gifted them with. And you got to keep that in mind if you're the team leader. God has gifted them. God has called them. I mean, you you teach it and preach it to your church that every member has an important aspect and God plugs in the members to the body so that the body is a fully mature functioning <laughs> organism that can glorify God the way that uh, God has intended the church in unity to glorify him and a missionary team is the same. We're not a church as a missionary team, but as a team serving the church and serving the local church, we have to be a model of that. And within a team, what makes a church healthy and what makes a team healthy is being able to confront and have that conflict where there is a differing perspective or maybe one missionary sees something like you said that's man, you could be more effective if you implement this, or maybe man, you, you I don't know if that's the right decision you should be taking there. I mean, look at scriptures, look at the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter. Right? I, I there's no way I try to put myself in those shoes if I was living back in those days man, would I ever stand up to Peter and say, man, Peter, you're doing it wrong. I I don't think I'd do that, you know, and think about, you know, think about a church leader that you look up to and respect. Would you feel you were able if you saw that, hey, what this decision you're making isn't a great decision? Would you feel that there's openness enough that you can go and confront without it turning personal? And that's the key, because I think we're kind of coming toward an end here for like, we don't want to go too long on this one. So I think we're going to go another week because I want to get to some of the points you wrote down and then we'll keep looking at this. But I want to point that out is on a mission team or you are working in team of any kind, you need to allow there to be a healthy task conflict where everybody's giving their input on how they're going to resolve A problem that's arisen and then the team leader needs to know how to take all of the data all of the insight and then plug it in so that it can be implemented and maybe the original idea you came up with as a solution is now better because you had the insight of those who you are working with but you can't make it personal he says this is in contrast task task conflict is in contrast to relationship conflict, which is caused by personal attacks on people's character and on people's ability. And that's where you can either, you take it personally when somebody says, well, I don't know if that's a good idea. Well, don't sit there and be like, oh, they they, they don't like me. They don't think I'm able to do it. You know, don't take it personally. And at the same time, don't make it personal when you point out somebody's vulnerability or maybe an area where they're not making the best decision. And so the tension is maintaining a healthy task conflict without making it personal, right? And I think part of the problem that arises maybe in missionary teams is that those that God calls to go pioneer the gospel places Once you get a few years down the road, and especially if you're on your own, you do get set in your ways of doing it. Like This is how it ought to be done, and and this is how we're going to do it. I remember speaking with one missionary, and I said, hey, why don't we uh, go ahead and try this method here with implementing this? And it was something as simple as changing something that was analog and making it digital. Uh, We weren't changing anything. We were just digitalizing something that was analog. And he said, well, that's just the way we've always done it. And that was that. That was end of story. Okay, well, I'm not going to push anymore because it's not like an essential uh, for evangelism. But I thought, well, I mean, it's not healthy to be closed off that way. You're missing out on potential of what could be done for effectiveness for the Lord. But at the same time as well, you don't want to develop what he calls groupthink. Um, from the article, which is where everybody just kind of says, yeah, whatever you say, that's great. Yeah, no, let's do it. Let's where the idea is you want to just please the, uh, the, the leader. Now, I don't think in mission teams, you get a lot of that people end up going to the mission field. They're not there to just be a people pleaser, right? They're there to please the Lord. And a lot of times missionaries are strong opinionated. So have you, have you seen that contrast working with nationals where they just want to do whatever the pastor says versus working with missionaries where it's like hey we got strong opinions how do you balance the two let i'm going to let you kind of close out with your thoughts on that and then close out with some of your um the principles you wrote down but how do you balance going from one extreme end of working with nationals who just want to please the American missionary and just say yes to everything generally if somebody's mature they'll give you the proper pushback that's healthy and then on the other hand you go home and you're working with the missionaries um, and man everybody's opinionated everybody's got their own way they think it should be done how do you balance those two things
1: well that, that is something that you almost could have a whole podcast on as well because you know I I'm sure like you and many missionaries, um, listening today, future missionaries, maybe I try to be a real thinker and planner about doing something. I don't try to, we an hour on people that necessarily just wake up one day, we're going to try this. So we try to think critically, you know, how's this going to work? How's this going to work in the future? What are some of the possible pros and cons? Like he's talking about in the article, we, we do that as a team, my wife and I, before we ever bring that to the position of a leader that we're gonna present it. So in the area of nationals, for instance, a lot of times I've already thought through 50 steps. And so in some ways, because we are still training these nationals along the way, it isn't necessarily, in my opinion, the way to go is to always kind of come up with the fresh ideas. It's rather to take, you know, I think these are three or four really good ideas. And I've tried to think of the pitfalls let me go to my friends who have a much better perspective in some ways. But it's sometimes I with 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 nationals or p- people who are being led along in the leadership. It's not like, hey guys, what do you think we should do today? Because people who are still growing in the order, like, well, we should have a dance team or we should bring the drums in, and like, you know what? They're still coming along in their in their in their lives. And so sometimes it's not everybody gets to have an idea. It's like, hey, I got these two ideas. I think we're going to do it this way. What do you think about that? Are there some ways we could? I just Dominicans. I'm telling you, I love them. They always can give you opinions and they usually will find something to help you think, you know, so I don't have to ever worry about them actually coming up with some ideas and rubber stamp and everything, you know? Um, but, but I do handle new ideas with them differently. I've, I've kind of already gone through a couple steps before I say, Hey, all right, these are two or three ideas. What do you think of these? Instead of, Hey, everyone's got an idea. Now go back to the missionary. When I had missionaries we were working together with, it was much more like, all right, you know, how are we doing in evangelism? You know, I, I don't know how great. What are some things you've seen in the past and ideas? And so I think when you're in a team setting, it is different um, because oftentimes if you start something and you go off on furlough, well, you want to make sure this guy's behind you knows how to do it because he's going to be do it when you're gone. And so I think there is a give and take back and forth between the groups you're working with. Developing an idea. But even then, Josh, in the past, when I would have an idea that I felt very strongly about, it was very seldom on a whim. It was something that I had either prayed about, thought about, gone through 50 steps. And so when I brought it to our missionary friend, you know, I was trying to say, hey, what do you think about this? But I really felt like I had gone down the road. And so when they would see errors and things like that, and I hadn't considered, I was real thankful. And probably over the years, it's probably probably because we're those pioneer missionaries it's probably the area that was my greatest weakness was not sitting down and including people to come up with fresh ideas now we we, we did do it it wasn't like it never happened but looking back now um I, I that's 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 the pull that's the what your strength maybe your your independence and yet when we're talking about a team it will be the biggest hindrance and you have to work at it and that's what this article is talking
0: about That's right. Well, one of the things he ends on with task conflict is beware of cognitive overload which is when there's a lot of information and a limited amount of time to examine the information. And uh, that can happen on a team setting and that can happen with a podcast where we just gave out a bunch of information here and we're almost at an hour. And so we want you to be able to process some of this information. So we're gonna close it out today. And I think next week we'll continue this discussion maybe do a deeper dive. We've still got the three other, uh, elements to look at commitment to decisions, uh, setting goals as a team and then uh, accountability. And I'd like to really dive into accountability because, uh, sometimes we, we have a hard time learning how to even define accountability. What does it mean? What does it look like? And, um, so we're going to look at that and uh, do a little bit deep dive into this article. I'll share a link in the, uh, the show notes at the bottom. Go ahead and read the article, and uh, I know it'll be a blessing to you. Is there anything you want to mention before we close out?
1: Just one last thing, and he doesn't really delve into this a lot, and so maybe this will flesh itself out a little bit in the practicality of our next one, but he talks a lot about the task conflict. And to be honest, Josh, even though we mentioned a few specific cases because we, the missionaries we had come work with us, we pretty much shared the same vision. We had very little task conflict. It was, it was very little. The conflict that usually arose was personal conflict, you know, personality conflict. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but that is something that you have to work really hard at. I really actually had a, a conversation about two hour conversation this week with a uh, uh, one of our former guests talking about this uh, team missions, my brother, uh, Earl Lonnie Hammonds. And We were talking about how in teams, it's really important that someone in a team is a peacemaker uh, because you're going to have conflict, whether it be with the wives, the husbands. And because just, you know, it's like having family, you have to know how to deal with it. And so maybe we can talk about that a little later on. But, you know, you really have to build that relationship up. And and once again, one of the areas I wish I had done a little bit better, we made it somewhat of a priority, is spend time not in the ministry with your teammates, build that relationship up, learn how to communicate under less stressful times so that when conflict comes up, you know, you have their back, they have your back, your friends, you may be closer than friends like family without the same last name. And um, that's something I really want to encourage people who are considering team missions is understand that personality conflicts will arise and you have to learn how to deal with them much like in marriage and expect it and just learn to develop those those relationships and when problems happen deal with them immediately don't let them fester and uh, i think the lord will help you along the path with your uh, your team and teammate
0: yeah that's something we're going to want to look at later and talk about uh, about that relationship conflicts that arise because that can be really essentially if that's not dealt with it can be a deal breaker for staying on the field and so uh, let's delve in a little deeper next week about differentiating between healthy task conflict and relationship conflict and how if you don't deal with one or the other that properly then yeah it can it can just be it can be a disaster really and so um, we'll look at that later all right well this has been a really I think a great conversation. I've enjoyed this article and um, we're going to, I'm going to reread it and I know Eric's going to read it again. And next week we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper into it talking about all these different points that they make. And really I'll tell you missionary, if you have an opportunity to work on a team, you know, do everything you can to be the right kind of teammate that you need to be, whether you're a leader. uh, And remember if you're a leader of a team of other missionaries you're not a CEO of a company, okay? You're you're the lead servant. That's all it means. You're the lead servant. And if you're uh, a subordinate, air quotes, uh, missionary on a team, uh, just remember, you're a servant. I mean, that's what you're on the team for. You're there to serve Christ, and you're there to lift up and serve one another. And um, we'll get more deeper into some of these issues next week as we continue our discussion on the all-important aspect of working as teams Uh, on the mission field. Well, this is Josh Mead from Senegal, West Africa. Thanks for listening.
1: All right, thank you for listening. Please share with your friends and future missionaries, missionaries alike, and Lord bless and have a great, great weekend or week.